Welcome to Haunters Podcast, a show dedicated to Universal Studios' Halloween Horror Nights, haunted attractions, ghostly encounters, and all things macabre. Now here are your hosts, Mr. Wonderful and Zach Hilton. Welcome to a special Haunters Christmas edition of the program where today we are actually going to welcome you behind the Patreon a little bit. This is our Christmas special for you all. Uh, and, and what we're going to do is give you a little taste, a little bit of what we've been doing on the Patreon for free. Now, you're not going to get the full episodes, but we're going to give you a little taste of Slay Girl Slay, which is led, obviously, by the incredible Zach Hilton and his wife, Brooke Hilton, where they discuss all things about Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where they've been revisiting the old show and reviewing it, and we actually have a little sample of Slay Girl Slay for you, but we're also going to bring you a double feature of this with a little sample of Crypt of Horror, the show that I host on the Patreon where it dives into the original Tales from the Crypt HBO television series that kind of reinvented the anthology horror show and all of that. And this is a Christmas special for us. Zach and myself discussed this, thought it would be a good idea to kind of give you all a taste so for those of you who are patreon members and have heard these full episodes have heard the full episodes i should say uh you know you you already are aware of what we are doing behind the patreon but if not this is a special christmas gift for y'all and without any further ado here's a little sample of slay girl slay from zach hilton and brooke hilton we are talking about welcome to hellmouth and is that what it was called? I believe so. Yeah. I don't, mean, I don't to, know. I was just asking. Welcome to Hellmouth and I think the so. Harvest. That makes sense. Yes, we, I think I think you're correct. I think I should be correct. It's my show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, welcome to the Hellmouth. So, Buffy, what I dug about the show, at least for the pilot, is that it picks up where uh, the movie left off. So it really does incorporate the movie. Yes. Which I think is cool. Um, and in this, Buffy uh, goes to a new place, Sunnydale, California, and she's basically just put into the mix. Is this fate? Is this just coincidence? Who knows? But like she ends up at school. Uh, she goes to the librarian and the librarian is a watcher, Giles right. from England, who's sent here to watch her uh, over her and, and train for the vampire. Right. And when she walks in, hands her this huge vampire book right. and she wigs out. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we get because introduced. I think she thought she was escaping everything. Yeah. Well, she thought she was done. She didn't need to do this anymore. Uh, she, I mean, she killed Valak uh, back in the movie. So right. should be over. But you could tell her that she never really truly believed it. Because eventually, when we get into the next episode, like she still has weapons and stuff. Right, like she that. brought so all she's of her prepared. stuff. Right. Um. So to you know, also in this episode, there's just a bunch of scenes of like vampires doing vampire things. Oh, their faces. Okay, so th that's one thing that I want to get into okay. is that I I dig the fact, at least personally, they look human. But right. when they're ready to be in full vamp mode, their faces change into a... Right. I get that. I get that. Um, I, I'm not against it. No, 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 no. I'm not saying you I are. I just would but prefer that... not to look at it. Okay. So is it disgusting or something? 
I want to say it's disgusting. It's just not like appealing. It's not like, <sighs> oh, I like that. <laughs> that doesn't get me wet. What? I'm just saying, like, when it does it, I'm like, ah. Okay. Um, and I mean, uh, uh, the reason that we chose this, as you liked to consistently remind me as we watched the episode, is uh, it's it's a you know a jump. It has jump scares. It's you know right. got the that uh, I don't want to say it's not a horror theme, but it's. I feel like it's very horror theme. Well, what's the other? It's oh my god. What's the other genre that's like? horror but it's not horror that's like scary (laughs) holy crap do you understand what you're saying (laughs) do you understand words are coming out that really don't make sense what's the thing opposite (laughs) of horror but it's scary it's a thriller is that what that was what i was looking for (laughs) see this is what i don't understand you let me ramble on and sound like a blubbering idiot so and you knew the word that i needed the entire time so, that was just absurd yeah i know because um, if you look at like how they uh the genres that they put with it on imdb it's action drama yeah um well that fantasy I, romance and well, i do think that it has some parts that are meant to give you just a slight jump scare or i mean yeah. it could just be me but you know no i think there's definitely uh i mean i know you jumped I saw you jump. Yeah, okay, sure you did. <laughs> Probably um, for me jumping. Yeah, but, <laughs> but like though there were scary things happening and I enjoyed more so the score of the show because I think I'm as I get older watching this show, I'm picking up on more of the old school universal feel. Like I know yeah. it's not a universal movie, but it does give off that universal vibe of horror with the vampires like mm-hmm. like we're introduced to a few vampires in this show we have darla who at the beginning she's taking a kid to the school and she seems like she's just this innocent girl right being taken let's just have a fun time and then turns out to be a vampire bites guy right then we that was get, out of nowhere yeah then we get introduced to luke who's kind of head honcho of the the minions the underground world yeah the underground vampires trying to raise the master yeah and the master basically he's being resurrected and he can't do anything right um so we're at that but during this episode we also get introduced to characters that yes. are going to be regulars on the show we get introduced to willow yes. we get introduced to xander mm-hmm. and we get introduced to um Cordelia, yes. who's played by Charisma Carpenter. I was mm-hmm. almost going to mess up like saying both their names. Mm-hmm. And we also get introduced to uh, Jesse. Yes. Well, he's not a friend yet. Um, no. So he, uh, all these teens get introduced. What are your feelings of these teens? What did you like? Do you do you feel like they were portraying like true teens? Like, I do. I, I mean, I really do. I think that it, it's kind of funny because of how much um, I feel like the world has changed from, you know, before to now when you think about high school. Like, no, if you were to look now at comparing those characters to high schoolers now, no, I don't think that it would be right. comparative because 
you know, that definitely play like, oh, you're the geek and you're the the cheerleader and you're the, you know, right. the popular one and you're the not popular one type thing. And I still think that there's probably uh, cities or towns where that whole um, lifestyle lifestyle yeah. still exists. Oh, yeah. But overall, I think nowadays a lot of it just doesn't or people that would be quote unquote nerds. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's well, what's popular now. It's the 80s, 90s tropes. I think yes. 21 Jump Street played it best where, you know, Channing Tatum's yes. character went to high school and he was the cool guy. And when he goes back, he's actually the the one not not popular. fitting in because right. he's not, you know, smart. He's not right. caring about the world, you know, the world. And <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. And I love Cordelia because Cordelia is basically playing what Buffy was before she became the Slayer. Yeah. So it's basically Buffy has conversations with Buffy. Right. And then they have like the, the, you know, the very easy interaction of what, you know, Buffy sees and she's like, Oh, I can, I can hang with this. I can make those, that that conversation back and forth with her right. and then she sees how she treats willow and she's not against it enough to be like don't talk to her like that mm-hmm. but enough to be like yeah no i'm not okay with that like i'm gonna hang out with you you seem cool yeah like she wants to fit in that's buffy's entire goal is right. to fit in at this school and be normal quote right unquote. and she can't be obviously um, would you think of giles how does he come off as like a teacher of you know like as a companion to her um i i like the fact that he's english i don't know mm-hmm. why that is like it makes it feel old school. It yeah, makes it I guess feel so. Like appealing more for exactly appealing towards the the vampire world. I also like that he doesn't like automatically just have all the answers. Like he's um, inquisitive and is you know re- likes to do the research part. I I'm very curious to see how his character because it's hard because you know the for me it's the beginning. So I don't know any development or anything like that with where these characters are going. Right. Um, obviously, I mean, you got seven seasons. Right. So um, I feel like there's going to be development. Yeah. I just, um, I, I feel like I wish he was a little bit more helpful. Okay. Versus kind of what we're seeing now of being like, you know, Buffy, you should be training or you should be, this is your responsibility. Like it's more of like a parent versus like a coach or guide. Well, I think especially being also introduced to Joyce because back in the movie, Buffy's parents were married Mm -hmm. this, they're divorced. Right. So it's just Joyce. So Giles is the father figure. True. You know what I mean? So he is going to have to be that way because Joyce is going to have to play spoiler alert, dumb to the whole thing. It's basically, made a spider-man like okay never knows it unless if you're talking about now spider-man but back right. in the day i mean secret identities were big for superheroes and right the, and really this is a superhero show um out of the characters i will just go ahead and say i'm not a xander fan i like the idea of xander because uh-huh. i've always liked nicholas brendan who plays him he comes off very like throughout the series like he's ash 
Okay. Like he, like that kind of character yeah. from Evil Dead, but like overall, I feel like he just is a whiny bee the entire time. So I'm just putting that out there on Front Street. Okay. But you will uh, definitely see development. Well, everybody. I at this moment, I kind of feel like, and I don't, I I'm scared to say it because I don't mm-hmm. want it to come off the wrong the okay. wrong way. Um, I am kind of a Cordelia fan. Oh yeah, you are. <laughs> Let me tell you. Look. I'm just I'm just going to tell you this right now. Cordelia is the best thing on this show besides Angel. Oh, well, I love Angel. <laughs> Spoiler, I've What's, seen Angel. I don't remember, but I know I've watched. Well, spoiler alert, she ends up on that show. Yeah, no, I remember kind of that. I just never watched Buffy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, this is cool. It's a prequel. <laughs> but I do like... Cordelia. Okay, cool. Yeah, I think I think I like her like fun. um kind of uh quick witted like yeah, sarcasm talk back. Talk back. Yeah, and I like, feel like she had great lines. Yes. Like when she was like, Hold on, I have to call everyone I, I know. know. Yeah, I was it's like, just, that's so exactly awesome. <laughs> and it's I don't like like the um her character and the way that she treats people. That's not what I'm saying. I just like some of her lines that she's saying and how that she's just like, you know, I'm the best thing since sliced bread. You know what I mean? Right. Um, I do. I I do like her character and I do like the overall characters. Um, Now jumping to angel mysterious. Yes. Well, you sexy and see like spoiler alert. I know he's, a vampire. Oh, damn it. I just What about people you... that haven't watched the show and this is their first like, oh, I'm going to watch and go. Well, that's the precious thing about editing. I'm not editing <laughs> shit. <laughs> no, it's fine. I mean, he comes off Sorry. that way anyways. It's okay. We won't talk about it anymore. We won't. I mean, obviously he had his own show for some reason. True. So, but um, yes. Yeah, so without getting into that, because I don't want to jump in with no. things that we know. Well, I don't really know anything more than that. Well, he's very mysterious. Yes. That's what I was going to say. I, I don't feel you know where his character is going to no, go. No, I don't. And I can't wait to talk about some of the stuff. I mean, season one. That was a little sample of Slay Girl Slay. We'll take a quick time out when we come back. We'll jump right into it. The second part of the first ever episode of Crypt of Horror, which is very special for this holiday because it's a Christmas episode that we discuss. That's coming up next here on Haunters Podcast. Hey there, podcast fans. I am Cassie, and I'm the host of Disflix and Tidbits, my solo movie podcast about Disney Company movies from the past, present, and coming soon, and all the little extras, movie news, and experiments on nostalgia in between. Come for the childhood memories, stay for the deep dives into your favorite movies. New episodes every other Wednesday. Tune in to Disflix and Tidbits. Subscribe for free wherever podcasts are found. This episode, Christmas-based episode, a greedy, philandering wife, Mary Ellen Trainer, kills her second husband, Marshall Bell, for his insurance money. Upon getting rid of the body, she is unexpectedly attacked by a hideous escaped mental patient, played by Larry Drake, dressed as Santa Claus, who has been going around killing women. She soon realizes that her own young daughter is in complete danger from within the horrific situation. Now, 
this is kind of a good setup. Uh, again, Christmas-themed episodes, so you get that holiday setup in the beginning. Uh, and right away, the wife, Mary Ellen Trainer comes right out and kills her husband. Uh, no, no... No wasting the time of that. The episode literally begins. We got the Christmas stuff going. He says, give it to me. She goes, give you what? He says, give it to me. And she takes that fire poker and puts it right through his skull. Just comes down like a like a maniac. Swings the thing down. Kills him. That's when you get introduced to the daughter as well. Because the daughter comes running down the stairs. And is like, I saw Santa. I saw Santa. Was that Santa that made the noise? And she's like, no, no, no. Uh, and then, you know, the daughter, unaware that her mom just killed her stepdad. But either way, literally tells you in the very opening aspects that she saw Santa Claus. She saw Santa Claus. Uh, and the mom just, you know, all right, yeah, you saw Santa, whatever. Go back to bed. Uh, now the mother, having to dispose of the body, decides she's going to take the body out back and dump him down the well, give him a nice, cold, icy grave and run off with the insurance money. But this, obviously, before she takes him outside, she has to call the mistress that we never see, the other man in her life, and she proceeds to kind of leave him a message saying, it's been taken care of, I have the money, we're good to go. Uh, Which, to me, a little incriminating. I'd say that you're going to leave a message, because what if this guy uh, doesn't delete the message from his message box, you know? What if this guy wasn't really serious about running off with you? What if all these things? What what if he's now going to just play that for the cops? Like, that right there. Like, there were a lot of things that that this woman did in this episode that I was, like, questioning her decisions. But again, she murdered her second husband. Clearly, she's not really thinking straight. But either way, she gives him a call. She leaves that message. Now she drags the body out back, is going to dump him down the well, But as she's dragging him out back, she's listening to music on the radio. And then good old radio, why you all should love the radio. Not just because I work in it and I'm trying to promote my own own, uh, career. But on the radio, all of a sudden, a special news bulletin breaks where they go to the news and it's like, hey, some guy escaped from the mental institution. He's murdering women throughout the area. And he stole a Santa costume from one of the women's houses that he murdered. Uh, Stay inside, lock your doors, be safe, yada, 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 all that good stuff. And this is playing as she goes out the door. So now you know you've been set up for impending doom. The daughter mentioned she's seen Santa Claus. The mother's going outside as the news story breaks. What could happen? Well, Santa Claus arrives. Crazy man arrives from mental institution and gives you one of the best scares. Because the first episode doesn't have jump scares. This one has a lot of good jump scares in it and gives you that first real good jump scare of Tales from the Crypt where she's getting ready to kind of do what she's got to do to dispose of this body and you hear the jingling. You hear the ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch. The jingle bell is coming. I know I'm not good with sounds. It's 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 a thing. Um, and all of a sudden, she looks around and who's behind her with an axe? Santa Claus. Maniac Santa Claus trying to murder her. She fights him off, fights back, all that good stuff, gets inside the house, locks the door, and now is in a battle with this gentleman. But the body is literally hanging outside. Either way, it ends up getting into a fight. She ends up knocking him down, thinks she's got him knocked out cold. The cops then call because the cops are calling everybody in the neighborhood to go, hey, this maniac broke loose. We, we, we want to tell you that this maniac's out there murdering people. Be safe. Lock your doors. Don't go outside. But she realizes, oh, crap. 
my 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 second husband is literally laying out there murdered because I killed him. This maniac's out there. What do I do? Now, after she fought off the Santa Claus, she does have his axe. Uh, she decides, finally does what I was screaming the entire time, which is just blame this husband's murder on Santa Claus, on maniac Santa Claus. He killed your second husband. She finally puts two and two together. She can make that kind of connection because she's all paranoid when the cops call. She realizes, oh my God, my husband's dead. This maniac's here. I'm going to get caught for murder while trying to survive. My daughter's upstairs. What the hell is going on? It's all falling apart. I'm not going to be able to run off with my other man with the insurance money. Oh no. But now she pieces together. I have the axe. I can set up and say, Santa Claus killed my husband. I don't know what happened. That's when she decides she's going to go back outside, rebuilding that tension again. And she goes to whack her dead husband in the head. Misses. Goes to whack him again. Misses. Finally, the third time, she gets him right in the head. And she does the stupid thing where she leaves the axe in the head and heads back inside the house. And when she does that... She then calls the operator back up again and goes, oh my God, operator, please help me. The maniac is here. He's actually here. Send the police to my house. He's already killed my husband. Beautiful. She's going to get away with it. But again, as I mentioned, she left the axe in the head. Santa Claus, not knocked out. Santa Claus, back awake. She looks outside, realizes the axe is missing. Now she knows Santa Claus, not knocked out. Santa Claus, still coming to kill her and potentially her daughter. So that's when she decides, oh, I'm going to go get his gun out of the uh, closet. And that's what brings us to the sequence of what scared the crap out of me and scarred me as a kid. She goes into that closet to get the gun and the door shuts behind her, locking her in the closet. But in the closet is a window. And what do you see? You see a ladder go up against the house because earlier in the episode, the daughter couldn't sleep. She said it was too hot. So... Mama said, we'll crack your window slightly, slightly, little girl, and we will allow the coldness to not be so hot in your room. Well, Santa Claus had realized that that window was slightly cracked, and that's where he threw his ladder. And as he's climbing up, she can see him through the window. She is trying to break down the door, and he is just smiling at her while holding that axe, all maniac-like. And that moment, That moment of the man looking through the window, smiling as he's trying to climb through the second story window of her daughter while she's locked and helpless in this closet, terrified me as a kid and still does today. Just the look. If you you haven't seen this episode in a while, go back and rewatch it and tell me that isn't a scary moment of a mother trying to get out of this closet with this maniac just looking in at her like, (laughs) I'm going to kill y'all. So he keeps going up this ladder and that's when the daughter wakes up and goes, hey, Santa, what's up? And actually starts reaching her hand out, saying, come on, Santa, I'll let you in. While the mother trying to break down the door, break down the closet door to get to her daughter, to save her daughter. And she runs up the stairs, finally after breaking the door down. Runs into her daughter's room, the window wide open. Santa, nowhere to be found. Daughter, nowhere to be found. What's going on? Well, that's when she hears her daughter scream to her from downstairs. And she goes running out going down the stairs and it's like oh my daughter is safe she's okay maniac didn't get in yada 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 
But that's when the daughter says, remember how I mentioned Santa Claus? Well, he doesn't have to worry about getting in. I let him in and pulls him out. And he comes from behind the little hidden area that he was hiding at in the other room. And just she loses her mind. The mom, Mary Ellen Trainer, just loses her mind screaming, no, no, as Santa Claus starts to smile and you realize they are about to be murdered. So uh, just this very depressing ending. But again, another morality kind of filled story of you feel bad for the daughter. You don't really feel so bad for the mom, but the daughter's now caught up in the crosshairs of the mom's decisions and just... This is kind of, again, as I mentioned, it kind of sets the tone and the feel of what Tales from the Crypt truly is going to be a show of moving forward. Now, this episode ends. We go back to the crypt. The crypt keeper cracks his jokes, moves on. Episode ends. Now, things that I noticed from these two episodes, uh, where we stand today, I think these episodes hold up for late 80s, kind of with this dark humor, this black comedy to it, this very uh, wittiness to it. I think they do hold up. Now, the one thing that I did notice as well is that the Crypt Keeper, him himself, we know the Crypt Keeper and the big kind of remembrance of the Crypt Keeper is that he's this very filled with a ton of puns, very kind of energetic type of person, always kind of cracking these jokes, yada, yada, yada. In the first two episodes so far, he's very restrained. Now, he still has the puns, but he's not going as much into the bits as eventually we all come to know. Because I know down the road, William Sadler does show up as death, which we'll get to that again in later episodes. We'll, we'll discuss that when we get there, because I, I now have a feeling of there's a universe that Tales from the Crypt lives in, and I want to talk about that. But... It's not so much more time spent in the crypt. We're spending little amount of time in the crypt and his voice, you can tell he hasn't figured out the crypt keeper yet because there are aspects of it where he gets to that, <laughs> but then he's also very restrained and talks like he, it's kind of a deeper voice as opposed to the higher pitch version of the crypt. I couldn't hit the higher pitch there, but as opposed to what we remember. And it kind of reminded me of like Freddy Krueger and the Jason Voorhees and all these other iconic characters of horror that we always forget. Like, for instance, Freddy Krueger, I'll, I'll, I'll make the comparison with him. What we remember Freddy Krueger for is sharp one-liners, very smart ass, very, very this, very that, very kind of in the know, in the, he had a Saturday morning cartoon. He's an icon. He's popular. That's what we remember. We always forget that Freddy Krueger actually was a freaking child rapist killing kids. We remember the fun. Oh, ha ha ha. Not the first time around where he was actually a terrifying monster and shouldn't have a primetime show and shouldn't have all that stuff where he's an icon in pop culture like that. It's kind of the same with the Crypt Keeper. It really is. It's the very... Figuring out the character still, figuring out how much of an icon he is before eventually he goes on to become the well-known Crypt Keeper, the well-known uh, man that tells the jokes, has the bits, does this, does that, eventually has a Saturday morning cartoon, eventually has a Saturday morning game show, eventually becomes an icon uh, where you know that voice and you know that character. So I did notice that the Crypt Keeper 
little held back. Now he does, again, he still does the introductions. He still does those things, but a little bit more restrained. And uh, I'm kind of curious to watch the progression and growth of that and then discuss it with you guys. Now, uh, these episodes, again, I think hold up. I really think uh, that if you are to watch these two, that the Christmas one all through the house is definitely the one that will hold up better than the man who was death. Now that's not taking a knock on the man who was death, but I think again, as I've mentioned all through the house really sets the tone of what tales from the crypt is going to be moving forward. It really does. Now I, and it's interesting because usually it's those pilots, those debut episodes that kind of establish everything. And I think that they do a good job and the man who was death does kind of set up the anthology aspect of what this show is going to be. But when it comes to the episodes of how relentless the show becomes, how vulgar, how violent, I think that it is all through the house that is the episode that does it. There you have it, a little holiday special for you all. Merry Christmas from the Haunters team here. Merry Christmas from Zach. Merry Christmas from Brooke. Happy holidays. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. Really, honestly, just hopefully you all are having a fantastic holiday season. Hopefully you are spending it with family, friends. Uh, Even if you don't celebrate Christmas, if you don't celebrate any holidays, we still wish you the best this time of the year. We'll be back with some all new episodes again to kick off the new year. Uh, We have more stuff coming to the Patreon. We've got some um, wonderful commentaries that we've recorded that will be dropping an iconic episode as well dropping on the Patreon. So again, thank you all so much for what just the support of the past year plus now of Haunters Podcast. Thank you guys for the support that have joined the Patreon. If you haven't joined the Patreon, there's still always time to join the Patreon. Uh, It's very cheap. It's very, very easy to be a part of. And again, we've got more stuff coming to that Patreon. Like I mentioned, there's the iconic episode for the 1974 Black Christmas that's going to be dropping very soon. Uh, And that's a fun episode that Zach and myself were a part of discussing the original Black Christmas and Billy and them. And uh, also, you know, again, the commentaries are going to be dropping as well. We recorded one for... um, I'm blanking right now. Recorded one for Krampus. So there's going to be a Krampus one that's dropping in the couple days for y'all as well. Plus Slay Girl Slay. A new episode of that came out this past weekend as well on the Patreon. So... Thank you guys again for everything. Uh, If you haven't followed us yet, we're on Twitter at Haunters P.O.D., Haunters Pod, Facebook, Facebook Facebook.com, Haunters Pod, uh, Haunters Podcast, I should say, where you can find us there. And of course, wherever you're listening to the show, please rate, review, share it with friends. But again, happy holidays from us to you and yours. And with that being said, we'll talk to you guys again real soon. And stay scary, my friends. Thank you for listening to another episode of Haunters Podcast. Don't forget to tell a friend. And you can subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, and other streaming services just by searching Haunters Podcast. You can tweet us at Haunters POD, or you can find us on Facebook by searching Haunters Podcast. Until next time, don't open that door or check under your bed. Make sure your doors are locked and the lights are on. You never know when the next scare will come for you. Ha 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 ha!